0: Hello and welcome to the Subconscious Coaching Podcast, the podcast where I talk about whatever I want because it's my podcast and not yours. Hello, campers, and good morning. Wakey, wakey, it's time for eggs and bakey. It is 9 a.m., and I am up with one of my favorite people in the entire world. Say hello, Maggie Rez.
1: Hello, Maggie Reyes.
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, okay, everybody. I really just want to jump into talking to Maggie. I will introduce Maggie, though, because... <sighs> okay, I was actually talking about this with one of my other friends. Have you ever had the experience where you meet someone and you just immediately, like, light up, like, the click happens... Everything's so good. Like you just feel like an exclamation point inside. That's the only way that I can describe the feeling. And it started happening more and more often in my life. I feel like there's the more aligned I've gotten. I've come in, in contact with people where like I just meet them and in the first couple of seconds I just like feel a little exclamation point inside. Well, that's how I feel about Maggie. And my guess is that most of you who listen to the podcast already know who Maggie is. But if you don't, Maggie is literally one of the most brilliant life coaches that I know every time she coaches me my like my heart explodes my brain breaks my jaw drops I'm like falling into pieces disintegrating to dust being put back together it's like because sometimes just the simplicity of your coaching is so powerful and it's simple but it's very complex like I want to share something with you all that Maggie said to me recently that has blow my mind and that I say to all my clients and I always quote Maggie every time I say it because I'm like, guys, it's the most incredible thing. And I promise I, (laughs) I will let you talk on the podcast, Maggie. But she just told me, why don't we do today's work today and tomorrow's work tomorrow? And as somebody who struggles with overwhelm and like freaks out and is trying to like plan and figure things out and like that phrase I just go back to over and over again. I go, what is today's work? Okay, let's do that and worry about that. And then I'll just get to tomorrow's work whenever I get to it. And it's the thing that actually has taken me out of overwhelm, like months of overwhelm in my business. So thank you, Maggie, for your brilliance. And Maggie is just incredible. You know, all things sales and business and marketing, but in actuality, Maggie's a an incredible marriage coach. Um, and I'll let you talk a little bit. I mean, I'm sure it'll come up a lot in the podcast, but how would you introduce yourself, Maggie, and your business? Because I'm not doing a good job of introducing what you do, just more who you are.
1: Oh, my gosh. So first of all, I'm going to save this recording for a cloudy day. Whenever I forget who I am, I'm just going to turn this on and listen to your voice. Like, oh, that's right.
0: Remember who you are. Oh my
1: gosh, I sell that to my friends all the time. Uh, The Lion King classic. (laughs) Remember who you are. Um, So hi, everyone. My name is Maggie Reyes. I am a marriage life coach. I coined that term, (laughs) marriage life coach. And I help uh, type A women, if your checklist has checklists, if you're the type of person who'll write something down after you already did it, just to cross it off. (laughs) <laughs> that's my person that's me and that's my person um and whenever I say this I've been to like networking events and stuff and I say this live and I'll see people like nodding and like oh yeah I've done that right um so I help <laughs> Taipei women um have better marriages and a lot of times my clients are wildly successful in many areas of their life and some of the things that made them successful in the outer world become challenges in their inner world so Ooh.
0: that's what I do Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> that is so good, Maggie. It, it's so interesting. I was actually just about to ask you as you were talking yeah. about the Type A women because I've heard you yeah. say that a lot. Yeah. But I was like, huh, oh, I wonder like what the difference or the specificity about you know working with Type A women, and then you yeah. just said at the end, it's like yeah. these adaptation strategies, maybe, that, or things that are serving yeah. them in other places of their life aren't wow. serving that. What do you see shows up the most in that?
1: there's a few things um especially when we're in leadership positions and we're used to people doing what we want exactly the way we want it because they work for us oh. and then we try to get that <laughs> from our partners and our partners are not our subordinates i mean unless you're kinky and you're into that it's fine yeah totally. be it clear. like if you're so. both into that i'm all for it but but in many cases <laughs> that's not the case yeah. um so that's something i see a lot i also work with a lot of stem um people that have different doctors scientists um engineers and in any of those stem fields right and wrong are really important oh. so if we get the measurement of the centimeters wrong on the bridge the bridge will fall yeah if we give the wrong amount of atropine, the person will die that's a, reason a drug they use okay. and yeah. and so then you go home and you need to be right about the steak sauce
0: <laughs> right. yeah. And so it's this, thing and it's life where, or death,
1: and it's life or death, and and you're you're tw- fifteen hours a day, ten hours a day for twenty years or however long this right or wrong has really mattered and that context is really important. And you and I love context, I'm sure. I was
0: just, I literally just put down a note. I was like, we have to talk about context and paradigms because that's what yes, okay. you so and I jam out on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. in
1: that context, it's absolutely appropriate. And they should keep doing that. Keep measuring the bridges so that they don't fall. I'm all in, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want that. Um, but then the switch to I'm in a different context and in this context, something else would work better. Mm. Is is a switch that you hire a life coach to figure out to help you (laughs) make that switch sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like that is actually one of the most powerful things that we can do as life coaches is to literally like switch the paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. You call it the context or the paradigm. I kind of use those words um, interchangeably, but I think for this conversation, like the way you're using context, which yeah. is the actual situation and yeah. setting that you're in. Yes. Hey, to be able to change your paradigm at will to yes. best deal with whatever situation is in front of you is a superpower. Cause you know, the example I always give is right and wrong, right? Is an amazing paradigm when you are in engineering. Right? Yes. That's yes. how you solve problems. Yeah. It's terrible in art.
1: Yes.
0: Right? You can't create a masterpiece or innovate in art from right or wrong. Right. So you have to be able to switch paradigms into something else, a different paradigm, a paradigm of creativity, or maybe it's just expression, right? That's what you're tapping into. Okay. This is going to be an expression Yes. uh, in order to have success or create in a different way that's going to be more useful.
1: And what happens when you're in a profession where everything is very prescribed, right? Where you follow a set of guidelines, whether it's a blueprint for the bridge or whether it's the medical, you know, if it's this, you do that. If it's this, you do that. When you're in those types of professions and then you go home and you have no north. Like mm. in a profession where for the last 20 years you know exactly what to do for every iteration of the thing this is how we measure this is how we cut this is how we do whatever the things are that you're doing
0: oh and yeah you like home, this is the process
1: this is the process you have a very yeah. well-defined process and for anything new there's a process so you just find the process and you follow it
0: yeah
1: and then you go home and there's no what's your compass Mm. And so unless you stop and think about it and work with coaches like us, let me give you different things, different um touch points. Like this could be your compass, that could be your compass. So I do day one of the marriage MBA values. What do you value? Mm. And I'm like, your values are like a flashlight in the forest at night. I can teach you 20 coaching concepts and I will.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And at the end of the day, I want you to have the flashlight in the middle of the forest that even if you forget everything I ever taught you, wait, my value is connection. I know exactly what to do. Mm. My value is freedom. Oh, I know exactly where to go. Right. So that idea of like, you have this very process oriented, many professions are that way. And then you come home and you have no process. You have no paradigm. Yeah. So you, you. Of course, you're going to go rely on the context that you're relying on for these other things and then you're like oh that does not yeah that's not
0: working (laughs) yeah oh that's fascinating here's the thing i heard this question recently and i love it and i've started using it with myself and my clients it's what is more important to you than money right so if you're listening to the podcast what's more important to you money jot down write down five things and then the host or whoever i can't even remember who said it i think it was like in an ad for something that i saw for like a master class or something I love um that. and then she goes those are your values
1: Ooh, that's good and i was like
0: oh my god and so i looked at my list and it was like freedom like play self-expression and i was like oh yeah these are my values these are the things that are more important to me than money
1: that is so good.
0: It is so good. But I'm curious for you, is there a way that you help, like, if somebody's like, I don't know what my values are, is there a process that you have, or how, do, how how can somebody find their values?
1: I think you can observe your life like a scientist, like, you can just look at how you spend your time, how you spend your money, mm. what what lights you up, what shuts you down, and you can always have clues. We can always look to our life for clues. Mm. um if there's something that you crave and don't have you might value it if there's like you can even find your values through your resentments so i had a client where um her partner was kind of messy and one of her highest values is beauty So really bothered it bothered her in an inordinate amount that may not bother another person oh my God, but because <laughs> it was one of her values right Excuse yeah me. Yeah. yeah, And I think like, it's so good to know, oh, that's one of my values. And then how do we honor that? What do we do? How do we move forward to for that? So I do a really simple, um, the values exercise I do could not be more simple. I give them a list to just to have a place to start off to think about. Mm-hmm. And then I just ask a few questions about it. But it, I keep it really simple on purpose. And I'm kind of like, do you choose these values for now? And as you're working through this, you can always change them right yeah. the purpose is to bring more awareness to like what matters to me and if this and, and for me because i do relationship work some form of either love or connection is going to be one of the values and it's like great so if that's something you value how is all of these decisions that you're making contributing to that value and i always quote brene brown because she talks about operationalizing I always have to say that <laughs> right? so, Right? So it's like, okay, so I have this value of connection. How do I operationalize it? Mm. How am I showing up on Tuesday when it comes to that value?
0: Mm. I'm just thinking. Sorry. i yeah. like, I love it. I think that's. One of those things is going to be great for your people. Yeah. Because this idea of operationalizing. For me, yeah. I'm kind of like, uh, but I think I'm such a, I'm so not type A. This is, <laughs> I think, I think sometimes people look at my stories or they like look yeah. at my business or I don't, I don't know what people think about me, but yeah. I think sometimes people think I'm like highly ambitious and highly motivated. And I'm not saying that I'm not, but I'm like very type. Whatever, like hanging out on my hammock and like chilling and like only so, doing things when I want to do it. Like, yeah.
1: So here's I'm very the not thing motivated. I don't know. There's research about type A and type B. And I think that you can be ambitious and be all of those things. And it's not that you're not ambitious or hardworking, it's your way of doing it is different.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, so my husband is very, chill he's like a buddha he's very chill very calm he's a senior vp of it at his company obviously a hard-working person a leader he's just like super chill about it and i'm like we need five checklists and three projects and this and that like it's the way we go about it not necessarily that that there's like any difference in the out the ultimate output that mm. that's my perception so
0: yeah. Someone, well someone
1: listening is probably an expert in this and can like write in and, and tell us. Um, yeah. but from my observer, my just informal observation of like him and me, mm-hmm. it's like we both work hard to do a lot of things get a, a massive amount of things done. We just have a different energy or a vibe a vibe
0: happening. around it, a way yeah. of going about it. Yeah. Is so in my
1: universe that's how I think about it. Okay. For, for me. <laughs> Who'll I mean, make it I'm... valid for me?
0: yeah no that's that's your lived experience well it's so interesting i think in the coaching industry in general like it's very easy to fall into a teacher right you kind of land on whoever your first teacher is Mm -hmm. and whoever teaches you how to coach yeah and especially if they are the person who has created i've worked with two, three different programs now, right? And all of those programs, I've been taught by the person who created that program. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is when somebody creates a program, it's happening within the context, right? The setting of their own life, their own experiences, their own way of navigating through the world and creating in the world and all of those things. And so it can be, what I found to be true for me is it's very easy to look at that person's qualities and be like, oh, I need to be like that to be successful. Or like, mm-hmm. that's what all of this work will lead me to is like, if I do all this coaching work and da 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 da, I'll end up, you know, being type A and ambitious like that person or, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's so. What's cool about the coaching industry being unregulated, which I totally want to hear if you have thoughts about regulation versus unregulation in the coaching industry. What's cool about the coaching industry being unregulated is it makes it, there's like creativity is proliferated because there's no confines. And so it sort of decentralizes any one person's context as the right way to heal, relate, work with people, um you know, all of those things <clears throat> it it decentralizes it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting, right, is like when yoga got uh when yoga came in the United States and it got um regulated, it was like these are the way you have to teach the yoga poses, these is the, you know, the right way and the incorrect way, and da da da. And then there were all of these people who had been teaching yoga were yogis, like very advanced yogis in India, right, who had had, like, the tradition and the lineage passed down that, like, could no longer teach yoga in the United States because it was now regulated by, like, a a random group of white people, you know what I mean, who were like, this is what yoga is and this is what yoga is not. And like, oh, sorry, there's 4,000 years of practice behind what you're doing, but that's not yoga and you're not allowed to teach it and you can't make money doing that here in this industry, right? So it gets hairy, but the thing that I do appreciate about having lots of people stepping in the fold and teaching different ways of coaching or modalities or being able to bring it is that you get a lot of different contexts. And I think if you work with enough different people, you end up getting a more well-rounded picture of like, oh, this is, you get different paradigms from each person that then you can use. Because if one person's teaching you a right, wrong paradigm, right? And then that's all you can use. And then you go into your relationship. You're trying to do it that way, right? Yeah. So it's like you get this huge tool belt of paradigms that you can then step into and out of. So,
1: And what I want to add to that, which I think you and I are very uh, similar in this, is there are coaching situations where you join it to become more like the thing you joined. And you mm. and I are, in the, no, you work with us to become more of you, not mm. any piece of us. Like we'll help you and we'll guide you and we'll share things that we know that work but you leave being more you than you've ever been. Mm, and I think taking yeah. a stand for that in an industry that has a lot of cookie cutter things is something I'm like really proud of and and I always gravitate towards.
0: Yes, I love that. And I actually I will say the first program that I went through it was very intensive. It was like hardcore. We were there like in person like 24 hours of coaching. So two 12 hour days, like for 12 months, once a week, like one weekend whoa, every yeah. and there was just like coaching, coaching, coaching. Everyone was getting coached. Everyone was learning. We were practicing. We you know, yeah. we all had one-on-one coaches that we were working yeah. with every week. And then we had all these team exercises that we had to do. And it was just like a very it was it felt like being in college. Like the, yeah. the course load was so intense. Yeah. Uh that I was like, whoa. And that was the first one that I went through. And that is actually one of the things that I really appreciate about ontological coaching, which mm-hmm. it was an ontological coaching program, yeah. is <clears throat> there's obviously, you know, I went and I got certified in something else. So there were obviously like little things about it or the way it was taught to me where I was like, eh, something's off here. Like, or there's more, right? There's more to this picture that mm-hmm. we can add to have it feel more holistic. Uh, but they don't, like, you're only allowed to ask questions and ontological coaching Mm. very rarely like less than five percent of any of the coaching is you telling them your thoughts your ideas what they should do like Mm -hmm. that's actually very kind of like eh, not artful coaching because what you're trying to do is to guide them with better questions Mm -hmm. like you're helping them locate their own guidance by you know like exactly what you're talking about right if somebody joins your mastermind and you're not like this is how you have a successful relationship you're guiding them You're like what are your values yeah right yeah and then that from that question now they're able to locate and make decisions from a a higher place maybe or a way that will align with what they want more
1: i have so many thoughts i'm going to share them i think there's a place for everything in this world and i Vastly respect all the different modalities. You and I are both coaches that are certified in multiple modalities and like love learning and love being able to be that holistic person and have tools in our toolbox for different situations for our clients. So, like, I just want to be explicitly clear that I love all those things. And I'm so grateful because in my studies, I did some continuing education specifically in relationship and marriage coaching with a woman who was a former therapist who also did training for Tony Robbins' coaching team. So she had the therapy background and the coaching background, and then she taught marriage stuff. And one of the things she taught us that I just took it as if it was the truth and then did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like This Uh was her philosophy and I just took it. Um, She said, when people come to you for relationship coaching, you must teach them things because they're coming to you because they don't know how to do it. So you could ask them a million questions and -hmm. they will be blank. (laughs) You must give them something. And so the way she taught it, it was like, I can give them something and they can make it their own. And that's really the philosophy I follow. Now I'm going to give you all these different options and ideas and things you could do. And then which one of these calls to you, which one of these resonates with your values? How do you make this your own, right? The the idea that you still make it your own, even though I'm giving you something to sort of chew on and think about is very much my philosophy, but it really, um, I, I kind of in my original training also we asked a lot of questions and we didn't do too much teaching was all question asking and then it was like oh but they kind of need to know that friendship is the core of any successful relationship and if I don't tell them that any amount of things that they answer is they're not gonna just come up
0: (laughs) yeah it's gonna take us like 30 years before they have this epiphany like oh right Yeah. yeah
1: so there's a place absolutely for like awareness and Alexandra and I, if you've ever met us or seen as coach, we ask a Uh ton of questions. We are like power questions is my favorite coaching tool. So to be clear, we're like I'm four questions, but there's a balance for me between the question and the teaching that I Mm. think is really relevant and really important if we're, and I think the people who listen to your podcast are mostly coaches and teachers and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So I want you all to know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I ended up kind of, um, going to the life coach school after my ontological coach training yeah. was because I found the teaching aspect of it. And I was like, I want to learn how to teach things. And like, I want to learn how to like, yes, I, I love the model and I love the style of coaching and it's so useful and impactful to have that as a tool, right?
1: Yeah. yeah With all yeah. my
0: other tools. But the, the real reason that I went to the life coach school and I signed up for it was because I was like, I want to learn how to teach things the way they are being taught. And the one in my mind, the way I'm going to do that is by going in and learning and being taught and just kind of picking it up by osmosis. Yes. And I want to so learn good. how to create concepts. I want to learn how to create those things because yeah, you can kind of end up in like a spin if you're just like, oh, I'm not, I don't have any answers and you have all the answers within you and I'm just mm-hmm. going to ask you all the questions. And yes, that's true. And it's yeah. like sometimes it's nice to throw a dog a bone or to give them a new framework or new paradigm because yeah. like ontological work is all paradigm work. Yeah. And it's like a fish in a fishbowl or like a yeah. fish in water, right? It's yeah. like the fish doesn't know it's in water and it's very hard to, to lead them out of yeah. the water or show them that they're in water when you're just in their mind. So sometimes bringing them out can be super useful.
1: And what i have found i'm very passionate about this idea of contextual coaching and bringing the context into what we're talking about your your thoughts i do a lot of mindset work with your thoughts and it's like your thoughts are happening inside of a context and sometimes just knowing what context they're happening in when i work with a doctor and i'm like of course in the er everything has to be right and if you make a mistake someone could be hurt and of course you must rewrite. and that yeah. compulsion is appropriate in that context but at home when you're talking about the steak sauce it's kind of okay if they got the wrong brand like it's, it's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's not so sometimes just recognizing the context um that you don't need any coaching beyond that you're like oh now i see it now it's yeah. now and, and then <sighs> we move on to something deeper
0: yeah nobody's losing their pinky because you got a1 exactly
1: so um can I tell you something? I don't know if the word is petty. It's kind of um <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, you can absolutely I, tell me whatever this is.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm 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 usually a humble person. You know okay. you know me,
0: so I know you.
1: Um, but I get really like uh full of myself.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <Keep laughs> um, going. because
1: when, when I hear people that they went to life coach school and sometimes and some of like the alumni groups and stuff, they're like, so-and-so was my instructor, and so-and-so was my instructor. And I'll, I'll come in, I'll be like, Brooke was my instructor.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so I'm an early adopter. I'm an early adopter of things. I did coach training. It was done on the phone. On the phone, Alexander Wait. James.
0: What do you mean the, when you say on the phone?
1: It was a group call on the phone. No video. No video. this is
0: before zoom
1: this is before zoom did not exist you said it was you said it was Zoom didn't exist slack didn't exist oh did not exist um and i get all kind of like proud peacocky about it
0: (laughs) i mean yeah it's so cool to learn from the person who taught something or who created it yeah and that is one of the i i do think one of the perks of being an early adopter
1: it's so fun. it's so fun. Like, and I always I have my old notebook. I'm like, listen, we used to write models. This is a true story. You won't be able, oh the people won't be able to people listening what people see but I'm going to show Alexander because I have okay. it here. I'll
0: describe to you all what I whatever okay. I'm seeing. Okay, it's a, a red notebook. notebook.
1: And what we used to do is we would fill it out during all of coach training with models. huh. So these are all my models I used to fill out. You have very then,
0: nice handwriting, Maggie.
1: Thank you so much. And then, and look at the font. This is the old Life Coach School font.
0: Oh and- my gosh. It's like a... It looks like the font that you would use at a renaissance fair.
1: It does. Yes, like, it does. That no, was the it's font. It's so funny.
0: It's not Comic Sans, but it's like, imagine like an old timey kind of Old like,
1: English. Yes. Old
0: English. Yes. That's what it looks like. That is yeah. sending me right so now. That was
1: the font. And then we would do this for 42 days, apparently, because it's up to day 42. Okay. And we would mail it in the mail, in the physical mail to Brooke. Oh and then Brooke God. would read it. And mail it back what with notes.
0: Up. Are you serious?
1: 100 <laughs> percent Do you have
0: her notes in there? Let me serious. see her handwriting. I want to see, see her handwriting. Is- I wanna get so bad. Do you know what I want to do? Wow, she has a very nice handwriting too. XOXO XO Brooke. <laughs> she said, love your life. Um I you have no idea how much I wanna get. Okay, so when I lived in Spain, I had this thing <clears throat> with this guy. He was older than me. He was, like, uh, he was 39. I was 23. At the time, I was, like, I mean, whatever. It was fun. He was hot. Best thing ever, yeah. At the time, it
1: was, like, like the best thing ever.
0: Yeah, at the time, it was, like, the best thing ever for me. He had, like, uh, he was a professional. um, It's a sport we don't have here in the States. It's called, like, racket or something. It's kind of like squash, but it's, like, a European sport. He was, like, the second best player in Europe oh and that's sexy so he's right like there super fit yeah, yeah. so he's like 30 oh he wasn't yeah. 39 i found out later he was 42 and he lied to me but that's a whole oh, other scandal story. yeah did i a know a whole other episode about i know that. Okay. i know he was like you know whatever not that i cared but um he was so hot he was so fit and so he had his own school and he was super famous and he was like really well off and um he had this cute little like drop top Maserati, whatever thing. He would like drive me around in, and you know, I was like just like a broke, fresh out of college student. So I was like, oh my God, so yeah. cool. Um, he would drive me around and he, okay, I'm gonna tell a personal story on the okay. podcast today. He, um, he could read handwriting. He had, like, done the whatever yeah. the thing is to analyze handwriting. Yeah. And so whenever we were together or, or whatever and he'd see somebody write something, he'd, like, tell me. He'd be, like, oh, this person has, like, such and such a thing going on. Or, you know, they're, like, actually yeah. really insecure about this thing. Or, like, oh, they yeah. have, like, an ego inflation problem or, or whatever. Um, so when I saw Brooke's handwriting, I was, like, oh, my God. I, like, wish I was still in touch with him so I could take a picture and send it. To, like, <laughs> analyze it. Tell me all the things. But... But the what happened? What was <laughs> was so apparently, we were together at his apartment one night, and in the morning there was a note on the door, that was it was in Spanish, and I can't remember exactly what it says, but it was something along the lines of like, "Hey, can you keep it down? Like your activities are getting a little noisy, like." The whole apartment didn't sign up to be a part of your porno, like blah blah blah. Whatever. I thought it was hilarious. He was so pissed, but he like immediately grabbed the note and he like sat down and he like started taking notes and like measuring the angle of everything. And he was oh like, "Oh yeah, this guy. He's like, you know, whatever. He's like tried totally psychoanalyzing him just from a place of like revenge and like trying yeah. to find all his faults and flaws." He was so pissed off about it. Uh, yeah. But when you show me Brooks, um, yeah. when you show me Brooks handwriting, I was like, "Oh my god, I so." want to analyze it
1: so okay so many things first of all i love that the story is the sex was too hot
0: it was so hot it was so (laughs) it down
1: that's the best part um and there's a book called change your handwriting change your life what there's a book I own it and I at a time this before I was a life coach when I was just you know searching change for all the
0: things, change your life I love and, that and
1: I like did the exercises in that book and if what, I look what do at they make my you handwriting do? like huh
0: what do they make you do You have to. You could have to explain this to me. Okay, like we're gonna have to go on a little three minute deep dive here. Okay. So here's what I
1: remember. What I remember is like some people make their eyes. There's a dot on top of the eye or a circle on top of the eye, and like your friend, your former hot lover would have said oh this means this and that means that and if I remember correctly I like trained myself to put the dots or something like I I don't even remember it was such a long time it was probably 20 years ago (laughs) but
0: but what's the theory behind it like how does those qualities those
1: those things those qualities around the person you want to become it's almost like like anything right like dress for the job you want not the job you have it's like like start becoming that person and this is one of the ways that you do
0: it weird so it's like you adopt uh interesting
1: yeah i don't know if there's any science behind it at all but (laughs) i did it like religiously did your life
0: change you changed your handwriting did you change your life maggie what changed when you started circling those eyes
1: if we if we look in the balance of over all of these years my life has evolved to completely different place but i don't think it It was all
0: the handwriting it was the handwriting brook be damned it was it was just the handwriting (laughs) everything else is a pure coincidence maggie started dotting her eyes then she's a 300 (laughs) yeah Um,
1: if anyone is an expert on this please tell us come to us on instagram and tell us about the handwriting things because we both want to know
0: (laughs) yeah i remember what he told me though because obviously when you have somebody who can like i was like you know, whatever. And the thing he told me is, he yeah. had me write and then yeah. he had me sign my name. Yeah. And one of the things he told me is the largeness of the signature on the page yeah. reveals about your ego. Ooh. And so yes. if you have a very tiny little signature. Yeah it responds to like a very not ego but even just like self-concept or you know what yeah. I mean? it's like a very tiny small whatever and i used to work uh, at mac cosmetics and we would have to sign our um yeah. like our payroll or whatever so yeah. they post it on the thing and we'd all have to sign and yeah. there was a one guy and i couldn't stand him <laughs> and his signature was the whole page
1: oh Goodness gracious! Yeah, that's and I, Okay,
0: I saw that the first week, and I was like, "Oh, okay." There's something
1: wild about my signature, so I, I have it.
0: Can I see your signature? Let me.
1: It's let me... very similar to this still.
0: Oh, cute. Okay.
1: And that's I nice. do. I draw like a line. Um, it looks almost like a,
0: like you a underline. Long... Yeah, you I underline. underline
1: my signature. So the reason oh. I underline my signature is because when I was 13 years old, I saw the signature of the opera singer Placido Domingo. Okay. And um, anyone who's listening, who has, who's familiar with like Latin pop music, there was a singer that I liked. Her name is Daniela Romo, and Daniela Romo put this symbol under her signature, and Plácido Domingo did the same thing. So I thought, cool people,
0: Wait, put a line. Symbol?
1: Under, that little line just a little it's a, it's a line, line. But
0: are those hearts that looks like they're? yeah i know that
1: i added so i put a little happy oh, okay. face in the heart and that's my little okay my the little happy thing. face in the
0: heart is is from your handwriting it's, training she it's said. me no that's just me <laughs> she, she said put a put but a heart. the
1: underlining of the of the signature i like saw these two people had a very similar underline i'm like i'm gonna do what they do and i still do it like i don't know Thirty
0: years later. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so fascinating. Well, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure we can read into that and and underline it. You underline your name. I underline my name.
1: I also legally changed my name.
0: So when you got married?
1: Well, also, but before I got married. I'm a big believer, I don't know, creating your destiny, being who you want to become, doing the things you never thought you'd do, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh And my dad did not raise me, but Mm -hmm. I had his last name my whole life just because legally, you know, it went on the birth certificate and then there it was. And I was like, he has nothing to do with my life. Why would I carry his name around my whole life? That makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, I'm going to pick a name I like. I'm just going to pick something that sounds good. I swear to this is the wildest story. It's,
0: this it's is good, literally, that's literally how you picked it. It's like, what sounds good?
1: So first of all, my, How old were
0: you? How old were you when this is? Oh, me? no,
1: no. I was like, I think I could just turned 30. I might've been 29 or 30. Okay. I was like, I'm okay. going to do the things that I've never done in my life. Like, I'm going to just start doing things, right? And get okay. to that age. Like, I don't care yeah. what people think. I'm just going to do stuff. Totally. And I was like, I'm i changing my name legally. So when I was born, I had three first names, as many Latin people do so it's margarita maria lara but i switched that to maggie in high school so people uh-huh. two syllables maggie That's it
0: yeah Easy. i legally
1: changed my name to maggie
0: oh okay
1: and then my last name um my father's from the philippines and the name is sabalones mm. and i was like nothing against its name, but it's not, like, it doesn't really...
0: Does that, does that mean something, Sabaglione? Um, I have looked like it up. sounds like a Spanish word, but I don't yeah, know Yeah, it, it
1: comes, it sounds like it's... <laughs> I went to an Italian restaurant, and they had Sabaglione for dessert. Oh! And I'm like, these things must be related.
0: There's got to be something going There's something on. something here. I mean, they're both, yeah, romance yeah. languages. Right.
1: So, so I had his name, and I'm like, I'm just going to pick a name I like, and I literally... Because I'm a nerd and I'm type A, I made a list of possible name choices.
0: This is literally, I, like, a drag name. Like, this is how people choose their – like, I love this story so much. You're literally like, I'm just going to create a new alter ego. I'm just going to do This is my that. new drag yeah. name and I'm going to yes. make it legal. Yeah. What do so- I want?
1: yeah this is 100% that so then at the time I worked at a law firm I was the training director at a law firm which by the way I trained lawyers which is like herding cats and then once you've done that you can just do anything
0: wait why <laughs> is it like a herding cat
1: lawyers okay Lawyers are very have,
0: anxious I feel like
1: just imagine a non-lawyer aka me yeah training a lawyer telling them this is how you're gonna do things <laughs> uh, and they're like maybe maybe they're like, not
0: They're like where's the fine print
1: maybe I'll do it this way maybe I'll do it that way I remember I had one guy in training that never took a single note and I'm Uh-oh. like are you writing this down because you're gonna need to know this later and he's like no I have a photographic memory for audio like whatever and I'm like okay okay repeat it back to me and I was like really you do show me and then he true story he was like he repeated verbatim everything I said and I never asked him to take a note again
0: oh my god (laughs) how do I get that what what do I have to change my handwriting to to get that (laughs) I I don't know oh my god
1: Uh, okay so I worked in a law firm at the time and one of my colleagues Mm -hmm. lovely amazing woman her last name was Marino so m-e-r-i-n-o and I was like wait I like alliteration
0: you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna be related to you now
1: and I'm like, <laughs> I really like the idea of Maggie Marino because it's also easy to pronounce in both languages.
0: That's actually a really nice name, Maggie Marino. That's such a great That's name. That's an amazing name.
1: So I go to her. This We were colleagues, right? We just worked together in the office. And I'm like, hey, how would you feel about it <laughs> if I legally <laughs> changed my
0: name say?
1: to your name? so she is the kindest like like she if you filed heard a that...
0: restraining order <laughs> no, like... sure.
1: she was like that phrase the sweetest cinnamon roll too good for this earth type of person uh, okay yeah the sweetest cinnamon roll so she's like very amused and the mm-hmm. face was of shock and like uh okay yeah fine <laughs> like okay so I was like, okay, because I'm only going to do it if, like, you're okay with it, but I really like your name, and I'm, I I would like to, like, <laughs> make it legal. I love <laughs>
0: you so much, Maggie Marino. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. So I went to court, and I stood in front of the judge, and they have to ask me, like, all these legal questions. Like, like are you trying to evade taxes or do things or whatever uh. i'm like i'm like no sir i work in a law firm <laughs> i like took it so seriously he's yeah. like lawyers are the worst
0: <laughs> oh god <Yeah.
1: laughs> and, I, and i'm like oh no but he could tell like my innocent face was just like yeah i was just you know i, I just want to change my name. so i changed my name and this is the, the part of the story that cracks me up is at the law firm right after i changed my name they changed our letterhead oh. and we had had the same letterhead i worked there for almost 10 years and we had the same letterhead for like I don't know seven of those years and then they changed the letterhead and they include the names of all the partners all the attorneys and all the paralegals and in my role as the training director i was considered like a senior paralegal because i did a bunch of stuff there so it was like her name Next to my name,
0: oh,
1: (laughs) so people would come in and they'd be like, So, are you cousins? Are you you related? And we would both be cracking and be like, No,
0: (laughs) just a pure coincidence.
1: (laughs) We'd be like, It's a long story, but no, but are you married? Like, what happens? Like, no, none of those, none of those,
0: none of those. Maggie, (laughs) Maggie woke up one day and decided she was gonna have a drag name and she changed her name.
1: Imagine having a fabulous name like Maggie Marino. Just
0: yeah. come on
1: now. And then so I good. found I met my husband, and I really.
0: A couple of years later, right?
1: A That's couple like, years later, because yeah. <laughs> the handwriting.
0: <laughs> because the handwriting changed your life.
1: Um, I've also had a cleansing. I've done a lot of wacky.
0: A cleansing. Things. What's like, the cleansing? Um, Wait, hold on. And, we actually got off another story. We got yeah. onto this lawyer thing because yeah. we were talking about what we were we talking yeah. about right before that.
1: Oh, my gosh. Somebody listening is going to have to write to us Yeah,
0: we need us. that guy with that audio memory.
1: Right. Come <laughs> so, listen to
0: this podcast and tell us.
1: Oh. Um,
0: uh, it'll
1: come back to but let me. T- t- okay, so yeah, 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 yeah. Keep, keep going. Keep so going. I loved my name, chose my name, was so happy. And then I met my husband. And I really didn't know if I wanted to change my name. I was like, I love my name. And I don't know that I want to change it And the custom in the U.S. is very often you don't always some people hyphenate and do all these different things. But it was like I had to go on a soul searching mission to make the determination whether I want to change my name or not. And what ended up happening was because I grew up, you know, daughter of a single mom and I wasn't really like a member of a family. Mm-hmm. I came to that and I was like and his family is incredibly welcoming, incredibly loving and and. And I was like, oh, I think I want to change my name as a symbolic thing of like joining this family. And then I decided to do it. But it was like a very, like a very serious deliberation about identity, right? Identity, like who do I want to be in this world? Do I want to set myself apart and have this name in this way and interpret it in that way? Because I can interpret it in any way, of course. Or do I want to like unite Myself and it met my criteria, which my criteria. But it not met my criteria. We might have a different what, story t- right now. What? Tell me your
0: checklist type. My a. criteria was
1: it had <laughs> to be easy to pronounce both in English and in Spanish because I live a yeah. dual cultural life. Right. And I, and if it would have been some wacky name that <laughs> was not the case. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been a different choice, but it was easy to pronounce them both. And then but what's beautiful now? So I've been married for 15 years. So I've had this name for 15 years, and I get quoted and. Newspapers, magazines, different places on earth. And then my husband will be like, Reyes said. (laughs) And he's like, so proud.
0: Oh, that's so cute. Bringing honor to the family name. There you go. That's so, yeah. If y'all don't know, Maggie has like a best selling book. It's like always on the best seller list on Amazon.
1: It's really, uh, my publisher um Rockridge Press they do an amazing job and they really promote the book incessantly which I'm so grateful for that's and, incredible and it, that um it's called the questions for a couples journal it's not a book you read it's a book you do mm-hmm. uh, I highly recommend it it's really good and it just has 400 questions we're talking about how much we love questions yeah, right yeah
0: 400 questions
1: 400 questions to help you get closer to to anyone you want to get closer to so one of my Friends is divorced, and she the book has different categories. So it has like your goals and dreams, it has fun stuff, it has your past. And one of those sections is it has sexy questions.
0: So oh. she skips what's all this. What's sex- an example? Well, what's an example of a sexy question?
1: I will find one because, of course, I have it on my yeah. desk.
0: Ask me a sexy question, and maybe no, I'll let's answer see. It. Maybe
1: you'll answer it. Okay. So it's I'll called answer. It's the Passion and Intimacy. Uh, section okay so here okay. we explore both the physical and emotional sides of sex with these questions set this intention you know i had to put some life coachiness into it of course it. so of with course these we're questions gonna... set this intention the closer you get to your partner the more fun you'll have if the word intimacy freaks you out a little don't worry for now you can call it sexy time or anything that feels more you i'm always inviting people to be more you even in my book instructions
0: even in okay. your book okay so they're so
1: they're, co- so they're color coded so the xoxo questions you can go to any place in the book and you can just look for the xo question and then you'll that'll be on the section
0: and, and it's so. a love it's a sex question
1: yeah i don't okay. know oh my gosh I yeah. one. oh that's this one's fun you plan a sexy getaway for you and your partner where do you take them describe the romantic details you would add to the trip because i know Ooh. you love travel and i love
0: travel i, so that's I absolutely love travel Um, so okay, if it's a romantic getaway, yeah, I want secluded, okay, right? I want wherever we're being to like be either forest or a private thing so that we can be anywhere on the property in any state of undress. Love because when I'm having like little romantic moments, like. Y'all are going to get to know me. Um, <laughs> like, basically, when I have a partner, we're just, like, naked all the time. Doesn't matter what we're doing. Like, eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, hanging out, working, whatever. We're, like, always naked together, right? Because oh, I'm oh just, like, God. you are so sexy. It is a crime for you to wear clothes. Like, I I want the full experience all the time. So, <clears throat> that's that. one thing I want, is I want us to just be able to be anywhere, not, we don't even have to be having sex at time it's just like yeah. i want it to feel nice i don't want us to feel like oh, we gotta close the curtains we gotta da, 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 right yeah so i want secluded i think um i'm gonna choose somewhere that has really amazing food yes available that's new and different because i don't know what it is but i think it's I think trying new foods is like one of the sexiest things. I love doing that with partners.
1: How interesting.
0: Because I just love watch I, I love watching people I love doing new things, but I love watching people try new things. Like smelling something they've never smelled before and then react to it or like eating something and then And I think it just – I think it kind of creates a bond. Like when you do something for the first time with someone together, that's Mm -hmm. an experience that you then always have of like, oh, my God, yeah, I tried beignets like with this person and he hated them and I love them. And it was – you know what I mean? It creates a little more – you know, eating is a thing that we always have to do all the time. You know what I mean? Yes. So it elevates the eating Eating chore into an experience yes and i think it's also a way to
1: add your sensuality like the senses yes it's pleasure it doesn't have to be sexual pleasure it's actually sensual pleasure
0: yes it makes
1: sense that you would like that
0: very sensual like i'm you know to be honest when you said a romantic getaway i'm like i just bring them over to my place because the way i have my apartment set up it's like All of these like super soft throws and candles and like plants and just the music and I like even I'm like so extra. Somebody came in here once and they were like, "This is like a movie set." They were like making fun of me because I even have these like humidifiers that create this like little fog, so it feels like you're in a jungle. Like I do need to take them there. (laughs) Over the top, yeah, yeah, Um, I love it. Yeah, so. That is actually my dream though, is to like so I wanna have a house and architectural digest. That's like okay. one dream. Not because I care about architectural digest, just because I think that for me locates it on some level of like yeah.
1: that level. You
0: know, it's gonna yeah. be that level of Okay. Everyone, you heard at.
1: it here first in twenty twenty two. It's happening and it's, it's just happening. a matter of when. Okay. Architectural I'm digest.
0: In. I'm in. Um so that I can create, because that's one of the things I love is creating and curating spaces. Yeah. And so it would probably also be some kind of like an Airbnb that I would go to. But yeah. here's the thing is I'm so particular and specific that like I'll go into an Airbnb and I'll be like, oh, no, these light bulbs, this is not it. And I'll like change the light bulbs. I'm like, oh, this tungsten lighting, I can't handle it. Like I'm kind of a psychopath um maybe i am type a but <laughs> maybe you're a little more type maybe, a maybe than i'm you a little more type a than i think when it comes to my surroundings and my environment i'm like very i love it so uh so yeah i think that is the thing and then the other thing is like i don't like to do any chores on vacation so i don't like to cook i don't like to clean i don't like to do any of that stuff so i think somewhere where like that's why like, camping is not my favorite
1: oh, no, camping. No, no, no.
0: Like, I just want (laughs) to... She said, oh, no,
1: no. (laughs) no!" No, My husband grew up camping, and when we were dating, he was like, so do you want to go camping? I'm like, never. It's been 15 years, it's never
0: happened. Absolutely absolutely not. not.
1: No. My idea (laughs) of camping is like a cheap hotel would be camping.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love being out in nature, but it's like, I don't want to do all the work of, like, trying to start a fire, and then if he actually wanted to do all that, that'd be great. That'd be we'll have to find out we'll an find outdoorsy
1: out. kind of dude okay yeah
0: yeah we'll have to see if uh if jonathan
1: oh my gosh are we gonna talk about that jonathan.
0: <laughs> i mean i'm i'm just teeing you up here because okay. i feel like you're always ready to talk about that maggie okay
1: so for everyone listening my name is maggie Reyes, and i'm obsessed with bridgerton mm-hmm. and and i have decided to, sh- Hi, to share right? Maggie yeah. Reyes. i'm obsessed with bridgerton and now i share about it on social media and it's been such an amazing experience um and i have to say i kind of sort of grew up and grew up and like when i started coming online i was like oh i'm a professional and i'm a life coach and i share about the things that i teach mm-hmm. right and over the years i've just loosened up more and more and more and i talk about a variety of things i'm like you know what we're gonna let that freak flag fly <laughs> we're gonna oh, be the yeah. nerdiest nerd i'm gonna tell them all the things and i'm obsessed with bridgerton so i talk about it a lot And it has been one of the most fun things I have ever done. People will message me now and tell me, have you seen this? They'll like send me, I don't know, whatever news has come out or there's a live Bridgerton experience thing. And like people will, do you know that this exists? It's the sweetest, most loving, most kind thing ever. And it's the most fun. So I'm so happy to share it with all of you. And I read the books when they came out in the
0: no way yeah like, they, were they were books
1: they were oh my gosh i die everybody says were there books they're, they were books
0: they how were many books, books are there
1: there's eight books because there's eight siblings
0: oh okay yeah they're so there's all eight are book- all, wait yeah. what do you mean there's eight? like there's
1: eight books and so each book is one of the stories of one of the uh brothers or the sisters and how they fall in love
0: Oh.
1: and so the show each season focuses on a different couple And that makes it really unique and different as most shows, right? They have everybody and they talk about everybody, but it's sort of like they take the stage and then the next couple takes the stage and then so on. Okay. So I read the books back in the day and I remember very vividly reading those books and thinking, why don't people make movies of this? Why do we never see this? It's always another Jane Austen remake, all due respect to Jane Austen, but it's always like we're remaking the same five Regency movies like over and over again. And I'm like, why doesn't anybody make this?
0: Well, what do you feel like is different about Bridgerton? Um because I don't read any yeah. of this stuff. Oh, my yeah. grandma occasionally yeah. I'll find yeah. like a romance novel yeah. and my grandma, yeah. if you read some some naughty stuff, my grandma. we oh, yeah. will like pick it up and we'll go, like, oh my god.
1: As my husband would say, it's always the quiet ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right um so for me, I have always like I used to work in human resources. I always had like sort of very serious work with serious things. People would come into my office crying, you know, all kinds of stuff.
0: And, and so when I'm kind of having a hard time at work and you're like, well, you're fired. So <laughs> you're not going to have that problem anymore.
1: We could t- we should talk about firing people after this. Make okay. a note. We're going to talk okay. about firing people. So that, that's actually a good story. Um, so I would always have serious jobs. So when I'm at home hanging out, I want to I want witty banter. I hmm. want pretty dresses. I want a happy ending. This is what I want. Yeah, and and pretty much in that order. Maybe some hot sex in between. Woody banter, hot sex, pretty close, happy ending. That's pretty much what I want.
0: Okay, I thought the sex was included in the happy ending, but
1: yeah, 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 yeah. No, through throughout, throughout. Yeah, got you. Um, So it's so interesting. So I was read I read the books twenty years ago, and I read all kinds of articles about how the romance genre is one of the biggest genres. It's one of the most under talked about genres it's like huge ginormous it's a billion dollar industry oh yeah and yeah. i was like why aren't any movies made of this why why is it like this is a huge, oh, industry. Yeah, huge market it's a huge market and i remember feeling like why is this this way i don't understand this doesn't make any sense so i follow the author her name is julia quinn i follow her on facebook and so i knew bridgerton was coming like years before it Came out because oh. she's like, we just signed the contract with Netflix, and you know, it took years of development to 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 make something like that. So now it's out, and I saw the first season, and I liked it. It was fine. It had some problematic things we can discuss when I come back and have to discuss. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you uh, need so your own first... like Bridgerton podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, we need a whole thing. Uh, yeah.
1: But anyway, the first season was fine. I loved it. It was it was truly genuinely like a book lover's dream come true to see this series of books that I loved so much. Uh, and for me, it was the first series of books that had like the family, little glimpses of members of the family were in each book. So you mm-hmm. would like finish a book, but then you'd see those characters again at a ball or they'd help one of the sisters or one of the brothers with a thing. And it was like, it kept this sort of world building about it. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a dream come true to see this come to life. And then season two came out and then I became the most obsessed fan in the history of fandom it's like insane so alexander my friend alexander who sees all my stuff is like oh my gosh now i know about i don't even know like
0: the yeah thing. i was like <laughs> i feel like through osmosis i know so much about bridgerton just from being around maggie i was like i didn't even know the show existed i didn't know any of these actors and now through being around maggie I like i know their favorite colors i know yes. where they were last weekend i know like You know, like all of these random details just because Maggie is so enthusiastic about it.
1: So my favorite actor on Bridgerton, his name is Jonathan Bailey. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan Bailey is actually, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what you would call it. It's sea change in Hollywood because he is a publicly gay man Mm. who is proud and and made a choice and has given interviews about he said when he started his career they told him not to say anything about it he said you won't get the romantic roles you won't get the leading things you if you if you say this out loud to people and he was just like this is who i am and i'm just gonna be who i am and kind of like let the chips fall where they may if i miss out on a role i miss out on a role so he is like the the leading man who like everyone swoons over and is obsessed with right And he's an openly gay actor in a leading role. And people I've seen because I'm obsessed with Bridgerton, I've seen all these different things. Oh, Rock Hudson was also gay. Rock Hudson was gay and hit it. Yeah. And and had so much sadness in his life because he couldn't be who he fully was in public. right? Right. So so this is such a huge thing on so many levels that it just fills me with joy and delight that he's just like amazing. And and I just I have this thing. This is another thing. Um, When I watch a show and I love an actor and actress in it, I just adopt them as my imaginary cousins. and then and then then i'm like like, and then you change
0: your last name to their last name no i don't then you change your handwriting to their handwriting that's good and then they get the restraining or no but what
1: happens is this is like i i get happy when they're working i like check up on them from time to time like did they get a job because you know they they do a show or they do a movie and then it might be years so i'm like oh so and so is working i'm so happy they you know they're well or or they'll announce their wedding like oh they found someone good or like all the things so my cut my my husband is like we watch something and he'll, he'll be like so is so and so a cousin now like are
0: they in the family oh my god so
1: johnny bailey is totally my spirit cousin <laughs>
0: Well, and you're trying to get him to be your real cousin because Maggie sends me this message on Facebook. Was it yesterday two days ago? Yeah. I don't even even remember what you said now. But you were basically like, listen, I think you just need to really sit down and consider (laughs) that Jonathan Bailey might actually be the best match for you. I'm a marriage coach. I know relationships in and out. And I just think you need to watch this interview with him. And I just think you guys would be a a really – Great match. And so the entire time I'm watching it, and he's so charming, by the way. He's, he's like delightful. He's, he's and not in, like, a smarmy way. He's yeah. just, like, goofy and silly, and he's, like, always kind of having fun with himself, which is yeah. actually something I find very attractive. Yeah. Um. Not to mention that he's, like, such a little hunk. Um. But the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, is this just Maggie's way of, like trying to get closer to jonathan bailey like
1: so true story (laughs) okay so is this some chess
0: game that i'm a pawn in like what's Uh, happening
1: okay i love this i love that we're talking about this on your podcast so here's the thing i posted a picture of jonathan bailey and you made a comment on it and you're like "Ooh." You know what? Oh, because it was Jonathan,
0: me. it was Jonathan Bailey, and then the other guy, and right? Reggae
1: Jean, which is the other, the Duke in the Viking, And
0: Reggae the, Jean's straight, I'm assuming. He's I straight, assume. yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, so assumption. Right. it was so there's so a gay funny. guy and, and a straight guy, and they're both from Bridgerton, and I know how much she loves Bridgerton, yeah. And so, and I so he said, it One
1: for you and one for me. And then I, if I tell you the angst I had when I wanted to reply, because I'm like, What if he likes Johnny? That would be awesome. But if he likes Reggae, Reggae is straight, so I'm so sad about this. Like, I had a whole emotional <laughs> arc about this thing, and then and I, I just started thinking about about all the interviews I've seen with Johnny and I'm and obviously all that I know about you. And I'm like, I would love a man like Johnny for Alexander. He's like a symbol of the type of person that I would want Alexander to be with. So that very quickly became, you must watch this interview. Oh my gosh, you need to know Johnny. Like, it became this thing that was it was really legitimately, I was like, this is the type of person Like because he's obviously very hardworking. Um, all of the actors talk about what a great leader he is and how he just, he's just a person who is like a good person on earth, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is what I desire for my friends, right? So I sent him that thing and it's like genuinely a side effect,
0: a byproduct. <laughs> I'm like,
1: you could, it could happen.
0: <laughs> it could happen. You're like, then, I've already picked out my bridesmaid dress.
1: I am like, <laughs> it could happen. And why not? And so what happened after we talked about that and we joked around like we're doing now, I just thought, how much fun was that? And I, 10 years ago, would have never shared any of my wacky, nerdy obsessions with anybody. And I probably missed out on a bunch of fun because of that.
0: Well, I actually took a – well, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. No, well, I was actually saying, like, this is how you know you have a very distinct brand or that people are connected to you in business is when they're sending you shit. And they're like, oh, my God, this made me think of you. Oh, my God, this reminded me of you. Oh, my God, this is, you know, whatever. And it doesn't have to be, like, so often we try to make our brands these very, like, structured, intellectual, like, Mm -hmm. oh, like… You know, my my symbol is a bee, so I'm going to have a pun about yeah. be yourself. And, like, yeah. we do it from this really heady place rather mm-hmm. than just from, like, what lights us up and what delights us in just being who we are in public. And yeah. so, like, if I could tell you, <clears throat> there was this, um, there was, like, this ad on Instagram that was, mm-hmm. like, it was a disco ball, but it was in the shape of a mushroom. It was a mushroom <laughs> disco ball. Okay. <laughs> and if I had a dollar. For every person who sent that to me and was like, oh, my God, you have to buy this. This is for you. Da-da-da-da. Little do they know my apartment's like that's so not the vibe in my apartment. That would not be the vibe. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. It came that, with love. It came with love. Yeah. It came with love and it made yeah. them think of me because it's like, yeah. you know, disco, yeah. 70s, psychedelic, yeah. right? you know, mushrooms, all yeah. this stuff. If I had a dollar for every single person who sent yeah. that to me, I would have had enough money to buy it. It's like $140. Yeah. It was insane. And I had this click of like, oh, like my brand is so clear, not because I'm trying to manufacture something or be something. It's like, I just talk about the things that are, I nerd out on and interesting. And for me, like, you know, neuroscience and the budding neuroscience of psychedelics and all that stuff and spiritual healing, like that's what I talk about all the time everywhere. So people just start to associate that with you. And then, and so that's what you have like, and Here's the thing is it's always going to be on brand if it's you. Like, Bridgerton's a romance novel. You're yeah. a marriage coach. Of <laughs> yeah. course it makes sense for your branding, even if you didn't consciously do that. Yeah. Right? Every time that comes up, it's romance. like – Romance. Yes. Yeah, romance. Romance. Love, it's yeah. this vision or this even, um, you know, like – I don't want to call it a fantasy, but it's like a vision of what love can feel like that you're yes. that you putting out into the ether, into your brand, which is your brand, right? <sighs>
1: And here's what's interesting with Bridgerton for me is I started talking about it just because I was obsessed with it. But then there are so many themes in Bridgerton that are so much my values, to circle it Mm. back to values, where the main character has a lot of agency. And I talk about feminism and I was like, oh, look at what she did here. Um, Johnny's character, Anthony, in the show has trauma and makes a bunch of decisions based on how he felt when his father died. And they're all bad decisions and he's being led by his trauma and he has to be led by love and and make good choices right and it's so like our journeys in life who hasn't made a bad decision because we were hurt before and we're scared of being hurt again or we're scared of hurting others so it's it's really interesting because I think if I think about it from a branding perspective on the outside Bridgerton sort of looks very fluffy and pretty and has pretty dresses and nice sets but it's very deep it's like deceptively deep in the way that they portray the trauma and the loss and the different things in the previous, um, in the first season, the main character uh, that Regé- Jean plays, he had a stutter and his father rejected him and he had all kinds of issues about being an outsider and the rejection of his dad and all kinds of, all kinds of decisions led through by trauma. And it's like in this beautifully said story, we're also then having conversations about trauma
0: Intergenerational trauma.
1: Intergenerational,
0: moving forward,
1: feminism, agency. So also it's in the Regency period where women had no choices. Their their biggest choice they could make is which man they would marry. Yeah. And it's like seeing all of these things about within those choices, how they got things done. So there's a uh, in the first season, there's something where something happens and the mom has to take charge and like turn the ship around, so to speak. She's like, we're going to do what women do. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk. And they literally like talk about something to the point where like a guy has to like move out of town because the whole women network of talkers has like made it public that he did a bad thing. And it's Mm. so interesting to see some of those dynamics. So it's kind of, and that's me. I'm kind of like warm and loving and a little fluffy every now and then, but then I'm like really deep and so you start talking to me and it's like oh so it it really is on brand
0: (laughs) totally and that and that's the thing when you follow your heart when you follow your fuck yeah when you're like this is what lights me up this is who i'm gonna be right i don't care you know what other people think about bridgerton or what i have to say it will it'll it's like a puzzle piece that will click in and you won't even realize it It won't even make sense to you until You have the rest of the puzzle pieces of your brand. So, you know, just yeah. just to bring this podcast back to, you know, yeah, to bring your it back to branding for a second. Right? Yeah. yeah, to
1: bring it back to branding. It's like whoever the thing that you're not telling people that you think people will have judgments about, like to the degree that it doesn't overwhelm you or shut you down, how could you share a little bit of that? Totally. And no and notice the dynamic that happened with Lucian Alexandria and me. He, he could care less about Bridgerton, but he loves me. So he's like, oh this is cute. It doesn't bother him. It doesn't offend him. He's not mad about it right? If, yeah. he's on, if he has a busy day, he'll scroll on by, and if he wants to have a laugh, he'll slow down, right? Yeah. But that's the same thing for any of your interests, for the people that are listening to us, that you want to share about. If you're into botany, tell us everything about botany. We want to know.
0: <laughs> totally. Because I think I, I was actually, this is something I was coaching somebody on recently, and I think I'm going to do a whole, well, let me not say that, because I'm always like, I'm going to do an episode on this, and I have 12 other ideas. So... <laughs> Maybe this is the episode. Maybe I'll talk about it more later. But okay. it's this idea of um, meritus branding versus relational branding. What's and the first word? Meritous. So what is I, that? it's a word I made up. Merit oh, based on okay. merit. Okay, based we'll on merit. Merit,
1: okay. merit. Okay. We'll just say merit.
0: Merit. Okay. We'll say merit branding versus relational branding. Okay. And so I was coaching this coach who's a brilliant multi six figure coach. Like, absolutely a thought leader in mm-hmm. the field that they're in like just mm-hmm. so incredible and the thought that they kept having come up they wanted to create this new program and the thought that they had that kept coming up is like well so and so has this and they're like way better at like speaking live and so and so has this and they're great at writing copy and they're such a genius in this realm and like so and so is also kind of teaching something dah, 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 dah. and what i realized is i was like oh you think that and so their thought was like no one's gonna buy with me right and mm-hmm. i was like oh you think that people buy with you based on merit mm-hmm. you think that they have some like checklist and that they're rating you 1 to 10 mm-hmm. based on all these other people who they might not even know who any of those other people are but it was like so clear to me cuz i asked is that how you feel about your marriage do you think your husband is like are you worried that he's like oh well she's prettier or you know this person's funnier and she's like oh my god no i have no insecurity whatsoever mm-hmm. And so the difference that we found was it was like, well, we just have such a deep, powerful connection. It's not I don't need to be the best in order to be loved. Right. Or as Maggie says, this is my favorite Maggie quote. I have a a new favorite one every week. Things don't have to be perfect to be awesome. Yeah. Right. Okay. Tattoo that on your forehead, everyone. Yeah. So. I was just thinking about how I feel and my – because you know, like I'm technically "quote unquote" a business coach, right? Like, who knows what we're actually doing? In the sixteen keys half the time, it's like gets real weird, crazy. We're doing a lot of things that are innovative. Yes. Is the word for the early adopters, right? It's very much an early adopter container of people who want what's kind of on the cutting edge of neuroscience, psychedelics, technology, spiritual transformation, emotional alchemy, you know, all that stuff. And then I just use business, right, as the lens where we do that work because your business is going to drive all your stuff up, right?
1: Yeah. Same. Same with marriage. I'm like, you do this, work through your marriage, all your relationships get better. Same. 100%.
0: 100%. Yeah, right? it's, everything it's, it's, it's changes. 100%. Yeah, the way yeah, you do one thing's is kind of the way you do everything. So, mm-hmm. but there's like a million people yeah. who do business coaching, and yeah. there's space for a million more business coaches. Like, yeah. I really, you know, a lot of people have all these thoughts oh my God, the industry is so saturated, and there's so many business coaches, and da 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 da. And it's like there's so many business coaches. You think that because you're a coach following a bunch of business coaches. Yeah. And that's who's in your feed all day, right? Yeah, proportionally
1: speaking, the market is tiny. Like, like, like the market keeps growing and everybody is gonna need all of these services. Yeah. And I just want to tell everybody who has that thought. I used to work in the cruise industry. And in the cruise industry, you know, huge ships, thousands of people on every ship. And I went to one of those industry conferences, whatever, and they said, um, we have barely saturated the vacation market. Like, like it was some crazy number, like 5% of the people who went on a vacation had ever gone on a cruise, ever. Let's like they had they there's a multi-billion dollar industry and they had only had one tiny little sliver of it. So the amount that they could grow was like a thousand percent or some crazy, some crazy oh, number. That's insane. I really invite you to think about that for the coaching industry, for anybody who thinks because anybody who thinks, oh, somebody else is already doing this. I want to invite you to my world. I'm gonna invite you to my world for just a sec.
0: Go, people. Go to Maggie's World. It's the place you want to be.
1: <laughs> it is. It's awesome here. There's lots of pictures in here. Okay. Sure. So when I graduated from coaching, I knew I was going to do marriage coaching. I I was not confused. Mm-hmm. And I was the first marriage coach. Life Coach School. So proud. The first one. And couples counseling, couples therapy, relationship therapy of all the different kinds. Thousands. There are. There, I did. I was like, there are thousands of people doing this. I never considered it a problem. I thought it was proof of concept. I'm mm-hmm. like thousands of people do this, which means lots of people have this problem, which means there's a space for me to solve it in a different way. Yeah. So for anyone who has the thought that somebody else is doing their thing, so what? <laughs> yeah. So I recovered myself from that one like really fast. Right. Like thousands of people do this. I and then and then here's my thought. Occasionally, you know, I'm Cuban and I'm a Leo, so I can be on the extra confident side. And sometimes I come back Mm -hmm. to like, remember humility. Um, But sometimes it serves me because sometimes if I'm insecure about something, I need to build that up like all of us, right? Yeah. So the thought that really helped me was I decided that I invented my own category and I have no competition. Yes. And that's what you were doing in business. It's like you invented your own category. It's this integrated thing with all the parts of you and and all the ontological deepness and all the fun, you know, disco balls and all the pieces, right? Yeah. And so anyone who, for whom that resonates, I invite you to think about the way you do it is your category. Yeah. And there is no competition in being you.
0: Yes. Well, and that's I think one of the thing that keeps... Thing that totally keeps me out like I never got tripped up when I changed my niche into working with life yeah. coaches in business yeah. even though I was surrounded by like mega giants in the industry right yeah. I never tripped me up because my my I think it was exactly that it was like it was so me I was like nobody can do me better than me yeah and that's why you want to bring so much of yourself into your brand because yeah. I believe that it's actually our relationship with our coaches is where the healing occurs same same right? It's like we are wounded in relationships and we heal in relationships. And so that's like a core philosophy and and it Mm -hmm. informs the way I set up my group and Mm -hmm. how I connect with people. And so it's like, if somebody, it doesn't matter how many modules I have. This is the thing that Maggie's been coaching me on recently. It's like, I'm like, I need a hundred modules in my program. And she's literally like, they just need you. And I'm like, but but so and so has a hundred modules, and she's like, but they just need you. And so we finally got there. I finally had the breakthrough. Coaching works, it.
1: people. Coaching works.
0: And I'm like, oh yeah, I just need to be with them and coach them and create this 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 relationship. So <clears throat> part of what has allowed me though to stay out of that, and I think build my my coaching <sighs> business really quickly is because of that thought of, like, nobody can do me better than me. And the people who need the exact frequency, right? If I'm a frequency of healing, which as life coaches we all are, right? Then I'm the exact frequency that someone needs, even if there's somebody else who, you know, has – built a way bigger business or has more modules or has their philosophy like perfectly nailed down or whatever it is. It's like that actually doesn't matter the same way in a relationship. It doesn't matter if, you know, somebody has bigger muscles than your partner or makes more money or whatever. It's like you love the person you love because mm-hmm. you just have a deep connection with them. And so the deeper you connect with yourself, Mm-hmm. Right, and are able to bring that connection into your branding and into your marketing, the more other people are going to be able to feel your vibration and feel your frequency. Even if you're just talking about Bridgerton, right? Like yes. I think, right? Maggie just had her biggest launch ever. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence. The that Bridgerton and, and, the, and the and the yeah. and the huge launch, right? Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence at all.
1: Yeah, I think it's like the more you you are, the more people can see who you are and then come to you
0: like a lighthouse. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I remember earlier, a couple of years ago, I, um, I told one of my clients, I'm like, you know I'm a little bit wacky, right? And I, I ring a bell when you say something smart, and I have a little magic wand, and I wave it when you're, like, being brilliant and stuff like that. And she had said something, I'm like, you know I'm a little bit wacky, right? She like, yes, that's why I hired you, right? And that always stayed with me. So, like, for everyone listening who is like, oh, if I show people who I really am, you know, will something bad happen? And it's, like, if you show people who you really are, the people who are going to be your favorite people to work with mm-hmm. are going to come and are going to know that you're, like, the safe space for them. And you're yes. going to give permission to them to do their wacky thing, like we're doing now, right?
0: Totally. Well, and that's the thing is um, <clears throat> the question I, I come back to often, actually, in yeah. in my brand when I'm like, oh, could I share this? Should I share this? Da 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 da. Right, because it does happen to me from time to time. Yeah. Um, is what would my most ideal client think about me sharing this? Mm-hmm. Because so often, we're so trained to see ourselves through other people's eyes. And so mm-hmm. you'll see this happening when you're getting dressed in the morning. You're like, well, who am I going to see? Okay, well, I'm going to see my mother-in-law. What would she think of this top? What would she think of these pants? What would she think of da-da-da? Oh, but I'm also going to see this guy who I think is cute. Okay, what would he think of this? Or da-da-da-da. We go through and we view ourselves through other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are trained to make decisions in that way. And so if you are going to do that, right, you want to build – the uh, skill of viewing yourself through your own eyes and through the lens of what do I think of myself, right? What would I think of somebody who's wearing this, right? And, And really looking there. But if sometimes that's not like fully landing, I just go to what would my most ideal client think about me, I don't know, sharing that I have this trauma, right? What would my most ideal client think about me telling a story of a sexcapade that i had in spain with this 42 year old man who knew how to to do who lied about his age who lied about his age i know right (laughs) Um, they
1: would love it the official answer on behalf of all of your (laughs) clients who adore you is they would love it they would eat up they would say and i quote
0: tell me more (laughs) totally yeah. they would feel so connected right yeah. and and my yeah. ideal clients they have stories like that too yeah they're kinky and wild and yeah. crazy and they're just like oh yeah that's my that's he's yeah. my people right yeah so so i love that okay <laughs> i want to talk about something we've got like maybe 15 minutes before we both have to jump on calls yep because we <laughs> we actually had an idea for this podcast oh that my gosh yeah that'll be the about.
1: next episode come on <laughs> We can't do that in at in, in this time.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but
1: you can ask me something else. <laughs>
0: well, I have a note about firing.
1: <laughs> okay. Because you're oh, like, yeah, let's talk
0: about firing. Okay.
1: So, yeah. So, we were talking about I worked in HR and all that. So, I had to fire people. I think I was 21 or 22, like, at a very young age. I was oh just in God. a situation where they didn't report to me, but I had to deliver the news.
0: Life destroyer.
1: And I had to, like, really reconcile that at a very young age. And I came up with... Two things that I took with me for the rest of my career. And I'm going to tell you the end and then kind of like a, a plot device. I'm going to tell you how it ended and then I'm going to tell you how I did it, nice. which is I have fired people where they have hugged me at the end. Mm. I, just want to, I want everybody else to think about that, to have that conversation with someone and to have it be a loving interaction with that person. So the two things that I, that are like the things that guide me or guided me when I had to do that kind of work was one, It was their job to keep, Like we wanted them there. We gave them training. We did all of these things to hopefully set them up for success. And like we, it was what we wanted was for it to work. So if it didn't work, there was something that was going on where it wasn't good for them or for the company. So I really, if I look at it now through my life coaching lens, it's like this place of personal responsibility. Like there's a personal responsibility of how you show up for things. Mm. that we just want to be aware of. So when it was their job to, to keep it. And two, sometimes there are many people on this earth i have been that person from time to time where you have something you want to do or something you should be doing, like the calling of your heart, the, the depth of your soul. And unless somebody kicks you in the ass and you're forced to figure it out, you don't do it. Mm. And so when I would have these conversations with people, I would have that in the back of my mind. like This is the kick in the ass that you need to go do the thing you were meant to do. It's obviously not this.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: And I would just talk from my heart, like I didn't have a prepared script. There's a couple of times I had to put my HR face on and say the decision did anything has really, been
0: made. Did anything really scary ever happen? Like,
1: Not when I was firing someone. Once I had an angry client, <laughs> I had an angry client at the law firm where I don't remember exactly what happened, but he like took a piece of paper and like threw it in my face. And I was like, get out of the building right now. And I was like, like, this was a tall man, like over, could overpower me very easily. And I was just a little, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm five, seven, five, six. So it's not like I was tiny, but it was just such a juxtaposition that I just was, I was nonplussed by his aggression. And I was like, you may leave immediately. Like I was just like, no, oh, you like, are I, was just, I was just like, and now this is the end of that. And one of my friends at the firm was like, I can't believe you said that to that man. Like, oh my gosh, what came over you? And I was just like, you, I had that moment of like, this is unarguable, like, like, do not mess with this moment. So that oh, happened, that was a God. little borderline um, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so with the firing, it was that, it was like, I kind of came at it with so much compassion and so much love. And and us say some people were not upset and I had to have those moments where like the decision has been made and it is final. And I had to say that like five times in the same conversation. Yeah. That did happen. Um, but just coming at it with that, when we zoom out for the spiritual path of that person of that soul on earth or however you want to think about it Mm. and we come at it from that place often you can just go to a deeper place with things other than it's not working out right Mm. so that's that's my firing story
0: i love that that actually reminds me of how i think a lot about boundaries and ending (sighs) relationships in my life yeah i've had to set some pretty strong boundaries with some people who were very close to me in my life. And, um, you know, even just like, I naturally, I don't know, I grew up like not really even knowing what a boundary was. Right. And like having no examples of what that looks like. And so it was very hard for me. I suffered with so much guilt and so much just fear of somebody being angry or like me being a villain or being a bad person when I set a boundary and, as I got deeper into life coaching, and especially, I think it was like in my dating life a lot too. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, for those of you who <clears throat> didn't know me back when I was a relationship coach, and I would talk about it all the time, like, my life, my dating life was such a hot mess, like, garbage dumpster fire. Like, uh, I mean, it was, yeah, there's so many stories. <laughs> so he many was stories.
1: not dating the Johnny Baileys of this world. We are no,
0: upgrading no. It was not Bridgerton, to say the (laughs) least. It was Bridgerton, but the trauma was running the show. Um, But, like, remembering and coming back to that, that, like, when I am speaking my truth, right? And in my values and in my integrity, even if it's unpleasant for the person, even if they don't understand it right now, even Mm -hmm. if they are angry and upset... Right and feel Mm -hmm. victimized by whatever I'm choosing to say or do to move Mm -hmm. into alignment, I actually don't believe that it cannot be in their best interest. right? Mm,
1: Yes.
0: Because what it does is it hands all of their stuff back to them that I was holding. Yes. And then it's like, now you can actually do something about it, whether you do or not, right? I have no control over. But even just the act of me handing it back to you and then you – getting to be with it is an empowering act. Even if it doesn't feel that way in the moment, yeah. Um. you You start to feel that. And that's what happened to me, right? Like I was in this really messy, crazy relationship, also in Spain. <laughs> Those Spanish boys, they'll get you. Um, <laughs> but it was so messy and it was so convoluted and I was just so in a trauma response all the time. And, you know, like just... It was just not good. Um, And that was my wake-up call, that relationship. And the way that that person just kind of ended it, right? It was like, it kind of gave me all my stuff back. I was like, I found some Wayne Dyer talk on YouTube. And was like, who is this guy? Who's Wayne Dyer? Yeah, he was like the first. He's kind of how I got he. And then it ended up being Luis Hay after that. Like, that's how I entered the personal development field and i would never be here right i wouldn't probably wouldn't be a life coach if that relationship hadn't ended when it did and all my stuff was given back to me and it was just me and all my heartbreak and all my pain and all my suffering looking like okay well what am i going to do right and i always say that like sometimes our pain is like breadcrumbs to god oh right like
1: our pain is like breadcrumbs to god that is so
0: good Like, if we're actually willing to be with it and follow it, it can lead us towards a path of higher enlightenment or higher unity connection, right? Like, a a consciousness-expanding journey. Yeah, Uh,
1: That's so good. It can lead us to our deepest self.
0: Totally. Because it's the fire under your fucking ass. You're like, I'm in pain. yeah right and when you choose to heal it rather than keep you know you get to a point where you're like okay i keep doing this thing i keep dating these kind of guys and i keep being in pain like i gotta do something different right and that's the moment but that pain is usually what drives us and gets us on this pathway so it's sacred and so when you give someone that pain right when you hand their pain back to them you're doing a sacred act of like like you said like i'm gonna light the fire under your ass so that you can go find what you're meant to do yeah because it's not this, clearly.
1: Yeah. I,
0: at least I hope not. Because if it is, this is not yeah. Good.
1: No, clearly it wasn't that. That is so, so interesting. Because I think as a society, we're also we want to honor pain, but we also want to know that we don't have to always grow from pain, like because of yes. pain. Like we can go, we can grow through joy. We can grow mm. through delight. Like pain is one option, but it's not the Great. only option.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: and I also just want to say that we honor pain and yes bread comes like I, I love all of that and we don't have to wait for the worst possible time and that's so much of what my work is about too It's like what if we don't wait to the worst possible time when you're not on the edge of divorce when you actually still like your partner, but you know that if you keep going the direction you're going in, you do not want to end up where that goes where that story ends. Now is the time to do something about it. Now is the time to cultivate closeness and connection.
0: Yeah. You know what I say to my clients all the time? I'm like, if you deal with the small things while they're small, they don't become big things. Yes. So like sometimes we're like, I feel stupid for bringing this to coaching. And da, da, da. I'm like, no, no, no. Bring it to coaching now versus in six months when you're like in a breakdown and like yes. this has been running your whole life. And you you know yes. what I mean? If you deal with the small things while they're small. Yeah. They don't turn – they never become big things.
1: And I tell my clients the small things are the big things, which is why we're friends.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's what it is. That's what it is. But so much of it has to do with our relationship around support because Mm -hmm. a lot of people have a subconscious belief that they can only ask for support or get support or deserve support if they are in a crisis. Mm -hmm. They can't just have support because they want it. They can't just – you can't have somebody help you bring in the groceries if you could bring them all in yourself, right? Yeah. You can't ask for help. So switching that is like a big lever for people that it's like, oh, I can just have as much support just because I want it. I don't even maybe fully need it, yeah. right? Like I could probably do it on my own, but I can just want support and get it because I like that and it feels good. And nothing has to be wrong, quote unquote, yeah. or bad. I don't have to be below baseline. That's how I talk about it in my work. Like yeah. You don't have to be below baseline to get support.
1: Yeah. Because
0: if that's the only time you'll get support, your whole life will be you going below baseline and then up to baseline and below baseline and then up to baseline. If you're able to incorporate support into your life, always, yeah. Right. then the 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 way I think about it is like your tolerance for support is as kind of great as your life gets. And if you want your Your tolerance,
1: wait, your tolerance for support is as great as your life is. I just have to process that. Yes.
0: Yeah. So if the, if you could only get help when everything's going wrong, right. Then your life Uh just bounces between like baseline and then everything going wrong. Right. But if you can, you know, like if you can get help when things are going great, you can make it even better. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I have um, therapists and other like relationship professionals that become my clients Mm-hmm. and we have these kinds of conversations because like i use a lot of the gottman work and quote them in my work and somebody came to me and like, well, i'm a gottman trained therapist like what am i going to learn with you and i'm like well here's what i know olympic athletes have coaches and they're the best in the world at what they do
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> mic drop
1: right so i was like it's up to you what you take away what you do you know how i mix all the different things that i teach and all that but it, to answer your fundamental questions like olympic athletes are literally the best in the world at what they do, and what coaches do is help them get better. It's help them see their blind spots. It's help point out the things that they're not aware of, right? I always think about that idea of like you can be the best in the world at something, and your coach is the person who helps you deepen that that relationship between you and your life's work, or you and your relationship, or whatever it is that you're you're wanting to to have a different experience of.
0: Mm, yeah. It's so cool. It's such a, the coach relationship is such a incredible context, right? To have yes. somebody who's not on the field, right? I yeah. think about Simone Biles and yeah. like when she's in the air spinning around triple flipping, she can't see yeah. what her body's looking like. She can't see yeah. what she, she does and then her coach can, right? Yes. And so it's just that added perspective of somebody who yeah. knows you can, can reconnect you to yourself. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Maggie. Take me, take me into your world. How do, I, how do I find you? I know where to find you. But how do these people who are dying to um, get in on your bridgerton content, okay. they...
1: so, and to but, see
0: my future husband?
1: Right. Yes. Listen.
0: Jonathan <laughs> Bailey James. If Anybody here?
1: if Anybody listening? Is besties with Jonathan Bailey. You come to at the Maggie Reyes. We do Alexander for later. <laughs> We go straight to Johnny. um Okay, so at the Maggie Reyes on Instagram is a really good place to follow me. I realized that I share a lot of the bridges and stuff on just my personal Facebook page. And I'm going to share it more on Instagram now because I, I just noticed that it's like, oh, people who follow me that aren't like my friends don't actually realize <laughs> this about me. Um, but the Maggie Reyes is probably the easiest. And then my website is just maggiereyes.com. And if you are married and you're listening to this, I have a podcast called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. And I haven't done a Bridgerton episode yet, but I will.
0: <laughs> lessons from Bridgerton. Be so I, have,
1: I literally have a Google Doc of five lessons from Bridgerton, including talking about the trauma and a few other things. It's going to be something. Oh, um, so fun. So Reyes.com, you'll always be able to find wherever I'm up to, whatever's happening there
0: amazing and tell them the name of your book one more time so they can find it
1: oh yes you can just go to the
0: best-selling relationship books
1: (laughs) tab in amazon it's
0: always it's always there
1: thank you to my publisher it's called the questions for couples journal
0: Mm. i love it well um this is so much fun this is so much fun this is work i love that this is amazing maggie and i were having a conversation uh before we got on the on the podcast, and I was like, I've been listening to Whitney Cummings' podcast. She's a comedian, if you don't know her. She's, like, yeah. very offbeat. Um, and I was like, I think I just, like, want to start having fun on my podcast, like she does. And talk about interesting, deep things, but, like, also just, like, tell stories. And so uh, that was the experiment we did today, and it was everything i had such a blast so thank you oh my
1: you gosh so on the first episode hell yes
0: hell uh-huh. yeah of course of yeah. the new chapter of and by the way he said whitney, Cum- whitney, Cum-
1: whitney cummings and i'm like i love her she used to have a sitcom i i was so sad when it got canceled i'm still not even over
0: it is she a cousin
1: she's the, well no, i didn't know her long enough no. for her to be a cousin so okay. she's not a cousin but when you said right. her name i'm like she's a neighbor she's, she's in the a neighborhood.
0: neighbor you, yeah you know who she is yep. i love it Awesome. Alrighty. Well, thank you, Maggie. And for those of you who, um, are listening and you want more Alexander Maggie content, (laughs) I'm about to be on her podcast too. So that'll, that'll be something to watch out for too. Alrighty. Hope you all are having a beautiful day and I will talk to all of you soon.